When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented, and let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. <laughs> Hour two of the Daily Tip starts right now on the BetQL Network. I am Chelsea Messenger. He is Michael Jenkins. Over the next hour, if you stick with us, we've got plenty to talk about, including Super Wild Card Weekend. We'll uh, dive into the biggest narratives and storylines in this segment as we play Read and React. Then at 720, we welcome on Lucy Burge to break down all things pop culture. And I need some pop culturing because there was some like viral meme that was going around with Selena Gomez and Taylor Swift. And I didn't even know the other person involved. So maybe Lucy Burge can fill us in on some of the drama at the Golden Globes. And also, of course, the drama that's always unfolding in the NFL. Then at 740, it's on to some numbers that back up a narrative. First time quarterbacks in the playoffs Are these guys that you can actually trust or are the numbers true here? First time quarterbacks in the playoffs have not done well, covering at just a 32% clip. We'll dive into why that is and maybe who's breaking that trend this weekend is super wild card weekend. Jenks, so Catherine is a big Taylor Swift fan. So have you seen this viral? I guess it's not a meme if it's a video, Mm -hmm. but a viral instance in which Selena Gomez was whispering something to Taylor Swift. Have you talked about this in your household? And have you analyzed it? We have not talked about that, but we have talked about her reaction to the the joke by Joe Coy, which even Kath was like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, that's more of a joke about the NFL than anything else. And no one apologizes for... Taylor Swift, like the lovely Catherine. So even she was like, okay, fine, but this is what you're upset about. So I kind of feel the same way where I didn't think Joe Coy was funny, but I also felt like it. I'm of the opinion, which is maybe unpopular, that a lot of this stuff is curated. Like, you know, if a joke is coming, how you're going to react. Like, you know, you're going to be a meme. And maybe that's overstating it, but I thought as far as jokes go, this is pretty tame, which is why nobody wants this gig to begin with. Because if someone made a joke like that, if you can't laugh about that, or not even laugh about it, but if that's offensive to you in some way, then you can't say anything. I felt like the joke just wasn't good. Because wasn't it just saying that the NFL shows Taylor Swift more than they do at cutaways at, you know, actual events and entertainment? And I was just Mm -hmm. like, huh. So I think I would have had the same reaction as Taylor Swift. I don't think it was a matter of being bitter. I think it was just a matter of the joke not being good and not landing. Fair. No, that's absolutely fair. 
It was it was just low hanging fruit. It's like the Meryl Streep joke. I'm like, God, every year the whole Meryl Streep always wins. Meryl Streep always wins. Meryl Streep. Yes, yes, we know. That joke's been done a billion times. Like every joke I felt like was just so, just had so little preparation behind it. Now, to Joe Coy's credit, I will say having 10 days to prepare for an event like this is almost an impossible task because if you talk to, I don't know, like a Jimmy Kimmel or anyone who has hosted an award show like this, generally you're talking about five or six months of preparation. Like they go through different different jokes and they try different things out and they go through rewrites and all these different things because there's such big events and there's so many eyes on them. So 10 days is nothing. At the same time, I didn't appreciate him throwing his writers under the bus whenever something didn't hit because I can assure you had he been killing it, he wouldn't be say, hey, thanks to my writers for that joke. He'd, he would have taken full credit. All right. So maybe we talked about this yesterday and I do know that you had an Aaron Rodgers spiel yesterday. But yes. did you see the non-apology that he issued on the Pat McAfee show? I can't remember if this is what you were talking about or just in general, the disdain for Aaron Rodgers. And like the joke thrown in about like Arizona State, I was like, damn, Arizona State did nothing to you. He's like, oh, it cut, takes a guy from Arizona State, 10 writers to compile a joke or something. Um, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, I feel like we should shut him in a closet or another darkness retreat until he gets back on the field. Like, we've heard your piece. We know right. your stance on just about every topic. We don't need to hear any more. Yeah, and also, he went on a rant about how this is just cancel culture, and it's the media. Oh, gosh. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, no, boy. it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> Have some sort of self-awareness. I just love when people get any sort of criticism, and they can't handle it, so they're like, oh, well, you're just trying to cancel. No, you're saying stupid things. You're saying slanderous things that could get you in trouble in a court of law. You're saying things that have no proof whatsoever. That's not anyone coming. You said this. It's just like Draymond when he's when he's saying, oh, I can't take it anymore. Then stop. Then stop. You are the cause of this. Aaron Rodgers, who says the Jets need to focus on football and stop talking about anything that, that doesn't have to do with winning. Well, then what are you doing every week <laughs> going on to Pat McAfee, still talking about you being anti-vaccine, talking about how you're not going to apologize, talking about all this nonsense. Oh, this is cancel culture. No, it's not. It's like when Bob Baffert in the Kentucky Derby when he got busted for drugging one of his horses, he got busted, right? This is a couple years ago, and he got banned. Mm -hmm. And then on the next day, he was on Fox News saying, cancel culture. No, oh. you got busted. You got busted. You're getting rightfully criticized for something you said or did. If people don't like it, that's not cancel culture. That's you making a mistake and refusing to own up to your mistake. Oh, my God, Chelsea. Yes, you got me all riled up. Here I am trying to fight through this sickness on the show. But yes, once again, I don't watch Pat McAfee. I certainly don't watch Aaron Rodgers on Pat McAfee. But if anyone thought he was going to go on there and to be contrite in any sort of way, then you haven't been paying attention. He doesn't have the ego for that. His ego is monstrous. Yeah, and at least you could get your green screen working. It's Aaron Rodgers just against huh. the green screen with nothing on it. I'm like, dude, if you're getting paid all this money, at least put like a beach in the background 
or something Seriously. other than just a plain green backup. All right, so let's talk about NFL players who are currently playing. And let's talk about some actual football as we do read and react. All right, good morning, Charles. Good morning, Jinx. Okay. Let's jump right into it. Sort of a combined college football NFL topic here. Michigan won the national title, as we all know, on Monday night. Rumors were swirling nearly as soon as the game was over that head coach Jim Harbaugh was going to consider coming back to the NFL. If it were you, would you stay in the college ranks, sign the 10-year, $125 million deal that is offered up by Michigan, or would you head back to the NFL and see if you can join Jimmy Johnson, Barry Switzer, and Pete Carroll as the only coaches to win a college title and a Super Bowl? Jinx, I'll go to you first. Ooh, that's a tough one. I honestly think I might go to the NFL, which initially I would think, and not because of history. Here's the thing. Jim Harbaugh is a legend now at Michigan. He already sort of was before winning a national title because clearly has a history there, played there, all of that. But I think the thing that gets me is, and this is something that Jim Harbaugh has to answer, is I can't imagine being a head coach now in college football with the portal and with recruiting and what NIL has done to the ego of some of these kids. I don't know how you manage it. And if he has to answer one simple question, I think, which is, do you like recruiting or not? Because some coaches who go to the NFL cannot stand recruiting. It is a 24-hour-a-day job. When you're done winning or losing a game, you're on the phone. You have people doing it for you, and you're talking to these kids, trying to talk them into coming to your university, and then you're having to overturn your roster each and every single year. It's sort of the Wild West, and if you've got a handle on it, then good for you. But I think maybe if you're at a school like Michigan, it's much easier than the job you would have at a smaller school. But if you like that aspect of it, great. Stay where you are a legend and take that cash. But if you're tired of that and you don't want to continue to go through that grind, why not go back to the NFL and do the one thing that you haven't done in your career and make history? Even though, would you say succeeding in the NFL for a sustained amount of time is harder than in college? Because think of the parity yes. in the NFL. And mm. the the it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. Michigan gets a lot more advantages than half of these head coaches in college football. And I'll say, this is the first point that I thought of, the, the point that you're making about NIL and how college football has completely changed. It's a different game now. But it feels to me as Jim Harbaugh is not a normal person. I feel like if there's anybody who can keep up with the grind of college football, it's this guy. He seems a little insane to me. So it, he's proven that he can succeed even in the new age of college football. And now he just won a national championship, which is a great recruiting tool. Michigan uh, donors have really deep pockets. It feel like feels like he has way more advantages in the college game than he does in the NFL. Obviously, we'll see what the number is. Some of these teams offering the money. But long term, I feel like the success rate in college football would be easier for Harbaugh here than in the NFL. It's really yeah. hard to be successful in the NFL. Look at Bill Belichick. He is one of the best head coaches of all time, at least according to the ranks. And he's on his way out, it looks like. So it feels to me like the better job would still be Michigan. In 10 years, $125 million that's, is nothing to... That's true. All right. Sign it. 
Number two, there are a lot of storylines in Super Wild Card Weekend <laughs> with coaches and players playing against their former teams. Which of these storylines is your favorite this week? Tyreek Hill back to Kansas City with Miami. Mike McCarthy of Dallas hosting his former team in Green Bay. Or both Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford facing off against the teams that traded them, Detroit and the Rams. Or, of course, even though he's not playing, Deshaun Watson having to head back to Houston and hopefully staying out of massage parlors. Chelsea, which one of these storylines do you like the best? (laughs) I think legally he probably has to stay away from massage parlors. I'm pretty sure legally he would get in a lot of trouble if he was caught at one of these places. I think for me, the most storylines in a single game has to be the Lions and the Rams because not only is it Matt Stafford heading back to the place where he spent a lot of time, he clearly is very familiar with Ford Field. Also, it's the revenge game for Jared Goff, who was traded away as an afterthought, saying this is not a guy that can win a Super Bowl. Now he's been really good with the Detroit Lions. And oh, by the way, the storyline for the Lions is they have not won a playoff game since 1992. Now they are favorites at home. All of the pressure seems to be on the Lions here. So the hopes of this city feel like they're resting on this game and going against their former quarterback. I think this one is the juiciest of them all this weekend. Yeah, I love Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford. It's easily the best one. And also, we're going to sleep on the Jared Goff story because Matthew Stafford got a ring. That's the thing. So I think he'll get more of the attention because statistically or historically, I should say, he's the better quarterback because he had such a long history with the Lions. But this is really, to me, about Jared Goff, who has sort of reinvented himself with the Lions. Because remember, when he was in L.A., the reason why they got rid of him is that they didn't think he had what it took to take them to the next level. And you know what? They were right because Matthew Stafford got it done. But no matter what happens, Matthew Stafford is a world champion. Jared Goff is not. Jared Goff is at home. Jared Goff's team is the favorite. So I think it's the best storyline. But also, I'm more interested in the Goff angle than the Stafford angle because we know Stafford's story. That His narrative isn't going to change here. But Goff can change the narrative more than Stafford can. All right, last one. Patrick Mahomes had the worst statistical uh, season of his career. He threw for the least amount of yards per game, the most interceptions in the season. Lots have been made of his receivers dropping passes in the lackluster play of Travis Kelsey down the stretch. Thanks, Taylor Swift. The Chiefs even considered bringing back Eric Bieniemy to help out their offense in the playoffs, but the commanders kind of said, no, nah, it's not going to happen. So, Jinx, mm-hmm. how worried are you about the Chiefs' offense? Pretty worried. I mean, personally, am I worried? Am I at home like, oh, what are the Chiefs going to do? No, I'm not. But but you're right. It's a good question. Here's the thing about the Chiefs' offense is that, you know, the Packers pulled off this trick for years in Green Bay, which is we've got a franchise quarterback, one of the greatest of all time. We'll just put a bunch of dudes around him and let our quarterback elevate these receivers. And that works to a point. But at some point, talent does matter. And when you look at the receivers the Chiefs have had in the past and now, God, Patrick's throwing downfield to Kadarius Tony and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I mean, if you're a defender, what do you do? You just shut down Travis Kelsey and let those receivers try and beat you. So, yeah, I'm worried about it. As bad as the Chiefs have been down the stretch, they at least have a good position in the postseason. 
they get to play a home game game against a Dolphins team that is now down four starting linebackers. The injuries are really piling up for the Dolphins. And oh, by the way, I think it's supposed to be a high of nine degrees. So I know everybody's out on the cheese, but at least in the first round, it looks they ha- like they have some favorable circumstances at Arrowhead. So I don't think it's all bad for the Chiefs. Will I be betting on them to win the Super Bowl? Hell no. Uh, coming back from the break, Lucy Birch stops by uh, explaining some things in pop culture to those of us who do not follow. That's next on The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. With Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Off and rolling on this Wednesday edition of The Daily Tip here on the BetQL Network. In a few minutes, we'll tap in Lucy Birds to give us the lowdown on some things that have been going on. Jenks and I have self-described ourselves as not being totally tapped in to pop culture, Lucy Burge will get us up to steam. And maybe we'll talk about the Patriots situation with Bill Belichick. Jenks, I was just thinking, I feel like the best Mm -hmm. selling point for sports is that there are no spoilers. And, you know, you can watch it every time and it's live and nobody knows the result. I know there are sports betting people that will tag this tweet and say, fix matches, 100% guarantee. Like, don't do that. Um, But... I also rewatch shows that I know the ending to. I know exactly what's happening in the episode, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's comforting or what. Is there a yeah. show that you rewatch? That I rewatch? Yeah. You're going to know the answer to this. It's probably Forensic Files or Law and Order. Forensic Files makes me feel very calm. The other day, well, this is a few months ago, not the other day, where they mentioned a woman's name at the top of forensic files. And it was like, Deborah Hannon lived. And I was like, oh God, her. And I was like, oh my God. I've been watching way too, way too many forensic files. Like I immediately rolled my eyes like, oh, her, this woman, I know what she does. She likes to put antifreeze in her husband's soup or whatever it was. But for some (laughs) reason, I think it's, I think it's the voice because the guy who does, and I forget his voice, who did the original forensic files, is very famous for just his enunciation and sort of the rhythm of how he talked about things on the show. It's Peter something. I need to look that up. Anyway, I think there's something about hearing that and knowing, oh, yeah, I kind of know how this goes. I kind of know how it ends. There's a comfort there. And also, they sort of do a quick recap coming back from commercial break. Like, so-and-so was a 28-year-old, blah, blah, blah. And so you don't have to sit and watch intently to sort of keep up with it. This doesn't feel like something that would be good for rewatching unless you try to mm-hmm. see if there were other breadcrumbs that you missed for like whoever the killer was. Because I haven't watched Forensic Files, but is it like they leave um, the answer till the end? Because like Law and Order, when you watch those shows, you watch yes. till the end to see like how it turns out. The shows that I like rewatching are not shows that are dependent on the ending. They are sitcoms mm-hmm. that you know you know what happens. But they're funny yeah. and they're entertaining. And it's not like dependent on the twist ending. That's why I don't really like rewatching sports 
unless I'm like watching something to try to get smarter because you already know the outcome. So like, I don't want to watch right. it. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. I'll watch, I'll rewatch highlights of a game that I enjoyed or particularly a Texas game, whatever, mm -hmm. and look at those. But I'm not going to rewatch a game unless I'm doing some sort of film study, which is rare. Once in a blue moon, I might have to do that. But for the most part, I stay away from that and generally just go into something that is not mind-numbing, just something that is comforting in some sort of way. But yeah, I get it. Yeah. I'll have to ask Lucy. Maybe she has some good rewatch candidates for me yeah. when it comes to my sitcoms. So let's bring her in now. She is the host of Back to the Futures each and every Sunday night right here on BeckQL. She is a BeckQL writer and find her on Twitter at Lucille Burge. You like apples? Always Boston strong, it's Lucy Burge. How do you like them apples? All right. Good morning, Lucy, and happy Women of Wagertainment Wednesday here on the network. So I'll ask you, what is a show that's great for rewatching? Oh, well, good morning. I have approximately 500 shows that I rewatch because oh. I will get, it is such a, a Forensic Files, first of all, I believe it is Peter Thomas. I have checked out this show. Yes. It is relaxing, but I do feel like I'm watching a VHS tape from the 80s every time I'm watching. Yeah. But there yeah. are moments, there are moments, Jenks, where I'm like, what is this show? You will look up, like sometimes I'll be, I'll have it on, I'll be on my phone and I'll look up and it's like a recreation. There was once a boat that flies over another boat and they recreate how this boat I accident know this. happened. <laughs> yes, I knew, I knew you'd know it's it all this lady one. again. I know this one. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, what is this show? It's, it is intriguing but when you re-watch a show i feel like i have to be in the mood for it. it's like a craving for a food you have to be in the mood for it like sometimes i will really really want to re-watch seinfeld so i do that until suddenly i'm like you know what actually i don't want to watch this anymore and i'll move on to friends and then i will re-watch breaking bad or sopranos or of course the office but there is a show well, also nathan for you nathan for you is one of my favorites um that is uh nathan fielder and so there's another one that i used to to rewatch repeatedly on YouTube when I actually when I was getting ready to go on dates I would watch this while I was getting ready it is Summer Heights High and it is one of my favorites ever it is this comedian who plays three different parts there are spin-offs of it Summer Heights High is a great rewatchable show uh, but The Office, of course, Seinfeld, all your classics, 30 Rock and Parks and Rec also. I rewatched those. Oh, yeah. And everybody, everybody Loves Raymond also. Just yep. all the oh, also yeah. I grew up watching TV Land, so I will rewatch Happy Days, The Andy Griffith Show, Leave It to Beaver. I I, I have 500 shows. Seventh Heaven, I even go back sometimes and rewatch. In Full House, <laughs> and I have a million shows that I rewatch. So you just you have to be in the mood for it, I think. But it's it depends on on what uh, mood you're in. But yeah, rewatch all these shows. 
Oh, I used to watch a ton. It wasn't TV Land yet, but I watched all those shows growing up because they were the only ones available, right? Like, I don't know how many episodes of Father Knows Best or Leave It to Beaver or Mr. Ed or something like that that I watched. Classics. Yeah. MASH. Oh, there's another one right there. Okay, so I have to ask you, I I was going to ask you about Mike Vrabel. And maybe he goes to the Patriots. We'll ask you about that, perhaps. Yeah. But I wanted to get your take on Joe Coy at the Golden Globes and his monologue and that performance and what went down. Yes. So I was not actually familiar with Joe Coy before this and people defending him saying he's a great comedian. And for some reason, I just never seen his stuff. And I kind of felt bad for him because it was last minute that he was asked to uh, to host the Golden Globes. And he um, said even this was the tough part. He got very defensive in the middle of his stand up where he said, I Mm -hmm. just heard about this. I didn't write all these jokes. And the ones that I wrote, I that's those are the ones you're laughing at, and that was uncomfortable. He just kept going, but I, uh, I a lot of people are defending him in that case, and I, I will say I've never seen his his stuff before, so I can't really speak to that. But what I saw that night was not great, and I am not the biggest fan of award show hosts in general, just because they never it never flies the way you think it's going to, except for Ricky Gervais. I think Ricky Gervais is the mm-hmm. best award show host. Ricky Gervais and also Tina Fey and Amy Poehler did a fantastic mm-hmm. job when they hosted, so just have them back. Why does it have to be somebody new who is going to uh, do what Joe Coy did and I feel like the Taylor Swift situation specifically my first reaction was that it was just a lazy joke and maybe it's just because we watch those Chiefs games so we know that yeah the camera always goes to her and so we know that that's going to happen so you hear about it in a word show it's oversaturation still because it's like okay we know that we this is our lives we know this already and it and maybe she was thinking that too and that it's just a lazy joke like that's this low-hanging fruit obviously that's going to be a joke but then I thought about it and she is the one going to these games and she she is the one I think the, the camera doesn't she's not the one putting the camera on her she could have smiled maybe but it wasn't funny so maybe I, I that's that was my uh take on that situation is that she didn't have to laugh at that that wasn't that funny and everyone was kind of put in a, a weird spot there the Barbie jokes were also kind of low-hanging fruit I guess it was just a it wasn't very um smart to me it was very lazy it was jokes that I would have written mm. in two seconds like anybody could have written those in two seconds so I don't know who was writing those I, I don't know if it was Joe Coy and he was kind of the fall guy for some really not so in-depth jokes that do, they don't make you think really they're just kind of like all right let's get through this and get to the awards so I think either have Ricky Gervais or Tina Fey and Amy Poehler host award shows or have nobody just don't have a host just have the presenters because it just it, it also shortens the show so you don't have to stay up for uh, three hours watching an award show. But I kind of felt bad for him because he was in a tough spot. But the way he kind of lost it in Ooh. real time was brutal. So, yeah, I think either don't <laughs> have don't have a host or just uh, just have a host that it's the jokes that are actually uh, meatier and maybe make you think a little bit more and are more entertaining. Yeah, or you could just not watch it all and turn yeah. on Everybody Loves Raymond, a much better know. choice, and a show that's won a lot of awards. So there you go. Okay, exactly. let's get to the Patriots coaching situation because it has not been announced that Bill Belichick is leaving. It feels like we're kind of stuck in purgatory here. Is Bill Belichick going to stay? 
Yeah, this is what I was afraid was going to happen was that we wouldn't get news for days. So as soon as that game ended, which was kind of a swan song for Bill Belichick, and and there was part of me during that game that thought, what if he does stay? And all of this goodbye on the broadcast and throughout the day suddenly became about goodbye, Bill Belichick. But what if he stays? Because it's not official. And now it, I am... I, uh, to, yesterday, I became much more on the side of he's leaving once the Vrabel fire was announced I thought okay Robert Kraft was waiting for this to happen and he will hire Vrabel as the head coach and fire Bill or I guess fire Bill Belichick because the way Belichick started his media availability on Monday morning by saying he is under contract put the ball squarely in Robert Kraft's court and now if Belichick leaves, it is not going to be a mutual parting of ways. There will be no statement that says they have mutually agreed to part ways because Belichick doesn't want to leave. And he has made that clear by saying he still has a year left on. I'm still under contract. I'm still here. I'm not leaving. So Robert Kraft will have to say, you know what, Bill? Thank you. Uh, for everything that you have done, but goodbye. And we are hiring Mike Rabel. And it's it's like the Seinfeld clip. Somebody tweeted that out yesterday where they were uh, George and this woman, the woman, uh, George says we have to break up. And the woman said, no, we're not breaking up. And George is just like, okay, I guess we're not breaking up. That's what it's kind of like. Like, we're not, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. And so the, I think that in the end, the Vrabel firing was very start, not startling, but it was very like, okay, this is what Robert Kraft might be waiting for. And uh, that's the, the end of Bill Belichick. But that is why yesterday reporters locally were saying 97 to 98% chance Belichick is gone still. And I feel like there, there are other people saying, well, no news is good news for Bill and that he will stay. What I think will happen, Friday news dump. This Friday afternoon, oh. maybe morning, maybe that's when it will happen because it tends to happen a Friday news dump. So a Friday, let's say Robert Kraft says or, or the Patriots announced that Bill Belichick is no longer the head coach and they are hiring Mike Rabel potentially. But I feel like the longer it goes on, the more Bill will actually be gone. Because he has to get out of this contract, that takes longer than a, than than staying, I would think. And I, Bill Belichick, did say on Monday that it will it will be a series of meetings. He thinks with Robert Kraft, so that's a very sticky situation, I think. And those meetings probably happening as we speak. So, I I am more inclined now to think Bill is gone than I was before the Vrabel firing. So, Lacey, we've got a couple minutes here, but. Let's say Belichick does go, like you say, it will happen in a Friday news dump, which I like that idea quite a bit. Once we take a step back, how will you remember Bill Belichick as opposed to him struggling the past few seasons? Yeah, I will definitely go back to remembering the good times because as he said yeah. once to a reporter, times have not been so thin around here. Um, and that's kind of how you have to remember it because as you start thinking the past couple weeks about him leaving, I was really sad. And I, I, a lot of people are not that sad about this because of the past couple years, but I had been romanticizing it and thinking, well, Bill Bell, I don't know the Patriots without Bill Belichick, but my entire time being Patriots fan, I don't know the team without him. So it's weird. So it would be sad. But then you think about the past couple years and actually it, it, it in reality hasn't been that great and it might be time for a change. And as soon as Rabel got fired and thinking about him, the prospect of him being the Patriots head coach, Belichick kind of seems stale 
will at this point. And maybe it is time for a change. But I will definitely remember the the good times and the times with Tom Brady, of course. And you do watch the highlight reels of him and Brady smiling together after Super Bowl wins. And that's how I would like to remember Bill Belichick as a coach here. And him saying, do your job and do it well. I know that is overplayed, but it is something I think about. I'm like, yeah, just do it well. Like that, that is really good, yeah. simple advice. <laughs> Very basic advice, but it is, <laughs> it is. And also, you know what I'll remember the most? Super Bowl parade when he started the no days off chant and how mm-hmm. that just came, and suddenly it's mm. like, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that became that it just took off um, like a fire, but it was uh, yeah, no days off. That's what I'll remember. I personally want to remember Bill Belichick as the guy in the ring doorbell ring camera. camera, shirtless, coming back <laughs> from a bender. That's how I choose to remember him. There you go. Uh, thanks so much for stopping by, Lucy. She is a BetQL writer, host of Back to the Futures each and every Sunday night on BetQL. Check her out on X. Lucille Burge, that is her handle. We've got to get to break on the other end. The rookie quarterbacks you should or shouldn't be trusting. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Rise and shine, people. It's a Wednesday, and we have Super Wild Card Weekend to dive into. The narrative that we'll be discussing in the segment, the first-time playoff quarterbacks that you should or shouldn't be trusting. Jenks, I feel like certain walks of life, experience mm-hmm. matters. And it reminds me of sure. an instance when I was pregnant, and I was in a lot of pain. Okay. And so it was time for me to get an epidural. So the doctor walks in and this other girl kind of peeks her head in. They say, "Uh, this is Katie. She's a resident, a student resident, and she's never done an epidural, but she needs to get some experience. Would you let her do the epidural on you? And the quickness (laughs) that I replied, hell no, get her out of here. This is my spinal cord we are talking about because epidurals you know if they go wrong you can be paralyzed like there are a lot of things that you yes go wrong. you're like well katie needs some experience and i was like i get that but i'm not it's not gonna be me <laughs> like it wasn't happening michael we know you need a a small procedure on your cerebral cortex uh, this is randy he's really good at operation he's won three straight games no the answer is no, absolutely not. No way. And I'm pretty good about stuff like that. Like I've had interns come in with doctors or if someone wanted to take my blood or something, I'm like, fine, knock yourself out. But for something like that, no way would I allow that. So you made the right call. But how do you get experience? Because I understand Katie's dilemma. Not with me. Like you have to get experience somehow. With someone like, else. Exactly. Like, I didn't want to be the test dummy, but it feels like that situation where I think a lot of new grads experience this, where Mm -hmm. they apply for jobs and all of them are quote unquote entry level, but it says experience three to five years. And it's like, okay, I'm applying for a job that's $22,000 a year. How am I going to have, you know, are you really hiring people with three to five years of experience? So like, it is a conundrum. I feel bad for Katie. 
Well, I do too, <laughs> but also different jobs have different outcomes based on your level of experience. <laughs> like if I'm a young journalist and they're like, hey, this is Michael. He's going to write the recap for your high school basketball team tonight. It's one of his first stories ever. Well, okay. If I get it wrong, maybe I don't write Katie McEnany's name the right <laughs> way in the article. Okay, that's a lesson learned. Double check your spelling, Michael. But if I miss your spinal cord and hit a nerve and then paralyze you, well, there's no going back on that. So I understand that training needs to take place in any profession, but it's not going to take place on me. No. And plus, I have bad luck enough when it comes to health. Like I've had regular doctors who most of the doctors I've had have been exceptional, but I've had a couple of doctors who weren't that great. So knowing my luck, if it was going to happen something poorly, it would happen to me. Also, think of somebody who is in the worst mood you could probably be in. Think of me, pregnant, writhing in pain, oh, no and then way. you ask me this question? Like, this is the wrong time, brother. Like, maybe you asked me <laughs> before I'm in pain, but yeah, I was not, like, the nicest. Like, maybe I go back in that moment, I'm a little nicer, but I was disgusted. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Get her out of here. I think, I think we can cut you some slack. If you're pregnant and about to take an epidural and they say, hey, here's someone who has never given one, I'll cut you plenty of slack on that. Like, no, you're asking me? No. The answer is no. Let's just go back to your garage while we're at it then. No, thank you. Yeah, I don't, I don't right. blame you. She can try on the cadaver or whatever it is that they yeah. practice on. But certainly not me. Okay, so now the big question going into why a super wild card weekend is oh. how much does experience matter for quarterbacks? We know the quarterback position, probably the most important position in the NFL. So when you're number one, a quarterback that doesn't have any playoff experience, and also some of these guys going on the road, how much yeah. do you think this matters in the National Football League? I think it matters a ton because you never know how someone is going to react to being in the spotlight, the brightest spotlight of all. Some guys might thrive. Some guys might wilt. Some guys might not know what to expect. And it's not to take anything away from a quarterback who has never been to the playoffs. Let's just throw out a name here. Kyle Rudolph. Okay. Mason. Kyle Rudolph, Rudolph has. Oh, sorry. Kyle Rudolph. Mason. Rudolph, sorry. <laughs> Just Point Lord. proven. Tight end from Vikings. Jeez, that's what I get. Right. Well, do you want Kyle Rudolph playing quarterback <laughs> in the NFL? No, you don't. Mason Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. I don't care. My point is, if you're someone who hasn't gotten it done during the regular season and you've been questionable at best during normal times during normal regular season games, am I going to really trust you during your first ever playoff appearance? No. Now, of course, there's always the possibility that someone steps up, has a game we don't anticipate, but if I can't trust you from weeks one through 18, I'm damn sure not trusting you come the postseason. So Mason, Kyle, whoever you are, I'm not <laughs> trusting you against a guy like Josh Allen who's been there. No, not at all. 
I think this is always dependent on the situation because we've seen this done before where young quarterbacks can be successful in the playoffs. Like, granted, mm -hmm. it is not – it's kind of the exception. It's not, you know, the thing that happens more often because what I think about is I think the year that Big Ben won the Super Bowl with the Steelers – Maybe he wasn't a rookie, but I think he was in his second year. But if you look at his stats in the Super Bowl, I think he threw for like a hundred and something yards. You know, it wasn't a performance where they really relied on him. It was a team that was so good at running the football and a team that was so good defensively that they didn't need that much from him. So every situation is going to be different. And this is our gut feeling, but let's look at the numbers for just a second before we dive into each particular situation. Uh, quarterbacks making their first playoff start versus quarterbacks who have playoff experience are mm -hmm. 17, 35, and 1 against the spread. That is 32%. And 17 Ooh. and 36 straight up since 2002. So the numbers have not been kind to these young quarterbacks. But I will say, in this first matchup that I'm looking at, Tua Tungabailoa has not played in the playoffs uh, yet in his young career. Going against Patrick Mahomes also should be noted <clears throat> that Tua is playing on the road here. But I'll say this about Tua. He has played in big games before. He played at Alabama. He came in in the wow. second half. You know, even as a quarterback that, okay, what's that look for? What's that look on your face for? I'm just, well, I'm just saying playing in a big game in college is markedly different from playing in a big game in the NFL because a it's lot of these though. guys it's something but ultimately you've got to have some sort of body of evidence in pro football because most of these guys have played in big games in college or most of these guys or a lot of these guys have had a lot of success in college that doesn't necessarily translate sometimes it does but for a guy like Tua yeah but that was how many years ago now I I I'm just thinking if you're making a case for Tua playing in a big game at this level, I can't base it on him having an incredible freshman appearance for the Crimson Tide, what, four years ago, something like that? I'm just saying that it's better than no experience because I would say playing in a national championship game is still a pretty big spotlight, especially at the time, uh, because he has had more years to prepare for this moment. But I think the thing that goes against him is just the Dolphins this year have not been good yeah. against the cream of the crop. What's the stat? They have a negative 91 point differential against teams that are in the playoffs. So I think it's more than just the quarterback position that you're analyzing here. And also the fact that the Dolphins have a litany of injuries coming into this mm -hmm. matchup. It's a road game. Also, it's supposed to be terrible weather. So maybe you can pin this on Tua being uh, a young quarterback in this one with no playoff experience. And we'll see. If he's the, the sole reason why they lose this game, you can come back to this number. But of course, it's still a team game and there are other factors at play here. So of these quarterback matchups, which one do you think experiences playing the biggest factor between two quarterbacks in a matchup? Ooh, like the biggest, like the biggest golf. Yeah, I would say, well, that's a tough one. Honestly, I think it's Joe Flacco versus CJ Stroud, maybe. Because yep. Flacco has been there and done that numerous times with the Ravens, obviously. And then C.J. Stroud, clearly, never been to the NFL playoffs before. But what I think is interesting, though, is that at the same time, even though I like the Browns in this game, they're laying two and a half points or minus 145 on the money line. The Texans are plus 120. If there is a quarterback, I think who can 
rise up to the moment and maybe surprise us with his performance, I think it is C.J. Stroud because there were all these questions going into the season about Ohio State quarterbacks. There were all these questions about whether or not C.J. Stroud could be that guy. There's a reason why he did not go number one. It went number two overall because Bryce Young went number one instead. And C.J. Stroud has been the quarterback setting rookie records because of his performance. And it's not like the Texans are all world. They're a very good team, but they're only going to get better. And so there's a bigger gulf there. There's a bigger discrepancy. At the same time, I also think Stroud is the one guy who could get it done and surprise us. Right, because that's what he's been doing all season long, really Mm -hmm. surprising people as the rookie quarterback of the Houston Texans. But I just happen to think the Browns, as a team overall, are the better team in this matchup. And like I said, sometimes it doesn't all fall on the shoulders of the quarterbacks. Here's an interesting one. Jordan Love against Dak Prescott. Because Dak Prescott does have the playoff experience, but he doesn't have a good record in the playoffs. Two and four in the postseason. So does this negate some of the advantages one would think he has by having this playoff experience? I would normally say yes, but I also think that Dak Prescott is a different quarterback this year. And there's two things that go into this. Number one, Dak Prescott has gotten back to using his legs more and becoming a little bit more of a dual threat. Not a classic dual threat, but also the Cowboys have a point differential of plus 172 when playing at home. They're just a different animal when playing in Dallas. Oh, for sure. Hard to go against the Cowboys when playing at Jerry World. Coming up next, I cannot wait to talk to Olivia Harlan-Decker about the playoff matchups this weekend. I'm going to ask her how much the weather actually has to do with handicapping some of these cold weather matchups. That's next. Top of the hour coming your way here on The Daily Tip. For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.